0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. Um, well, hello there. It's so fun to be here with uh, you guys again. It has been a couple years since I've been here to Vineyard West, um, but I do love this place, and I love Pastor Cody. You guys are so blessed to have um, him as your pastor and their family leading you guys. So thank you for inviting me to come be a part of the Advent Um Season with you. I'm going to bring the message on peace today, uh, but just to introduce myself a little bit better for those I haven't met before, I am a pastor with Vineyard um, Movement, and I um, also I run a nonprofit called Beauty for Ashes, which is a prison ministry, and we run a um, recovery center. So we are serving just down the road at Lansing Correctional Facility. I drive past you guys a couple times during the week going to prison. And so I always like to invite people, if you want to go to prison, (laughs) I know a couple ways you could get there, but... (laughs) Um, But I do actually want to thank you guys because your youth group is participating in an outreach we're doing this Friday with us. So we are doing, we have an opportunity and it's the first time since COVID happened that we're able to do our full Christmas banquet. But we do a Christmas banquet every um, year at Christmas time where the men and their families get to come in and their kids get to come in and we provide a Christmas gift for every inmate and you guys are helping get stuff for those Christmas gifts, but we also get a Christmas gift for every kid that comes, whether they're zero or 50. If their dad's in prison, they're going to get a moment at the tree with dad where he gets to give a gift. So pray over that because this is part of our heart's desire to reconcile families back together. Um, It is our commandment to visit those in prison um, because we really serve Christ himself. So thank you guys for being a part of that. It is my passion, though, whether I'm in prison or at a recovery center or in church, my passion is to bring this message that you can have this intimate relationship with Jesus. And in that place... He defines you, he tells you you're loved, he takes your worst mistake you've ever made, and he uses it for his glory, if you allow him, and you get to have this abundant life with him, and there's freedom in that place. And so, as I share this message today, and any message that you've ever heard me share, you're going to go, they all sound similar, because they all have that underlining theme in it, because that is the gospel message, so... Um, I'm going to get started, but before I do, I have a little disclaimer. If you are a note taker, I'm going to have a lot of scripture. I felt so bad when I sent it to Michelle. She's probably like, Gina, (laughs) putting him into the uh, slideshow. But there are a lot of scriptures, and there are a lot of little one verses. And I always want to encourage people... Don't just take the one verse and just take it as it is. Go back and read the content, the context around it. So take notes, write down the address, but go and spend some time in God's presence and go get in his word and read the context from where it comes from, because you might be surprised how much deeper it means to you. Or you might be surprised when you read some of the passages that you're like, oh, that's not what it meant at all. I thought it meant this. Like, for example, um... How many of you, when you have had a friend going through a really hard time, you're like, you're going to be fine because God will not give you more than you can handle, right? I mean, we've told that over and over. And so then we're like, Google, show me the verse where God will not give us more than we can handle. And we go and we Google it and we search it and we read the passage on it and we're like... Oh, this has to do with sin. This has nothing to do with the hard things in our lives. I totally took that out of context (laughs) because that is what it has to do. That, That says, you know, when you have temptations come our way, when we have things that turn our hearts away from the Lord, God will not allow us to have so much temptation that we can't turn our heart back to him. And that's what you learn when you read that passage. Another one I love that really meant more to me, and it's so great because um, it was actually prayed this morning when we were praying together as a group, be still and know that I am God. That passage, be still and know that I am God. I love that passage. And when I went and read more about why that was said in the first place, I found out it was really about being at war. The psalmist was at war and in a battle, and God said, be still, I'm gonna fight this battle for you. And they, they won the battle against, I mean, true war against the nations that were attacking them because they allowed God to fight the battle on their behalf. So when you read that context and you go, I have some battles happening in my life, I just need to be still. And know, experience God working these things out in my life. So those are just a couple of examples of why it's so important to take these passages and go look at them deeper. So take notes and you can do that. But we are in an Advent series called All is Calm. Hmm. Doesn't that feel good just saying it? All is calm. And I think when we say that, we actually get that feeling just for a moment. that, That feeling that we long for we long for that peace, right? That calmness, this quiet moment in the chaos of the world around us and the busyness of the season, that quiet moment where our fears and our anxieties and the fact that my mother-in-law is coming to my house and I have to clean it. and <laughs> Or how am I going to buy these gifts? They're a thousand dollars worth of gifts and I, I don't have extra income. What is it? You know, all is calm. <laughs> And this series is tied to a verse in Psalms 34, 4 that says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. That is the solution. That is where all is calm, right? Cody talked about this last week. It it is when we seek the Lord, when we, as he said, frequent the Lord, when we frequent the Lord, when we show up and we, we go to him daily or we go to him hourly or in every moment, sometimes that's where we have to be is like, Lord, I need you every moment of this because I'm not going to get it. I want peace in this moment. I want calm in this moment. When we seek him out, when we get into his word, when we get into his presence and we invite him into every moment, all is calm. And that's where we get to meet him in everything that he came to be. Last week, Cody talked about it's in that place where we seek him that we meet the hope that comes through Jesus, the hope that we can stand on his word, we can stand on his promises, we can trust he is who he says he is, and there's hope in that. And that's what Jesus came to bring. But we also get to experience his peace in that moment, which is what we're going to talk about this week. We get to know Jesus as our Prince of Peace. He is our Prince of Peace. That's who he was introduced to us as, right? Cody read this passage last week, but I want to read it to you again. Uh, And just a reminder, this is Isaiah. This is a prophet who hundreds of years before Jesus was on the scene, God downloads this message to him. He spoke to Isaiah the same way he speaks to us today. So don't think this just happens in the Old Testament. We can listen for the voice of God and he will speak truth. But he gave this message to Isaiah to prophesy to the Israelites that there was one that's going to come. And this is who is going to come for you. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. I love that last line there because it's a reminder that God is so passionate about being restored in relationship with us. Our relationship with God, our our intimate relationship and our opportunity to be with him for all eternity was broken because of sin, but he was passionate about restoring that. And because of that passion, he he sent Jesus and he sent him to be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father and our prince of peace. So God introduces the character of Jesus here. And on this truth, when we stand on this truth, we get to experience all of these things about Jesus. We experience every part of his character. And I think there's a reason that he put peace at the end of that, because I think it's a culmination. When we experience everything about Jesus, when we go to him as our wonderful counselor, when we go to him and we have things going on in life, I don't have the answers. I don't, I can't, I can't make a decision. I need wisdom. I need counsel. So Holy Spirit. Spirit, reveal truth to me. Tell me your plan. Guide me in this. And when we go to Him and we say, "I'm in a battle, so I'm going to be still, and I'm going to know that you are God. You are my mighty God that's going to fight this battle for me." When we do that, and we and we look to Him as our heavenly Father, as our our eternal Father, who we everlasting Father, we go to Him, and as a Father, He looks at us and He protects us as a Father should. And he looks at you and he speaks into your identity and he tells you, this is who you are. This is who I've created you to be. You reflect my image and this is the purpose I have for your life. That's what our father, that's what we want our fathers to do. So we do that. We look to him as our everlasting father. When we do all of those things, the outcome is experiencing him as our prince of peace because we can have peace when we get our identity in him, when we let him fight our battles and we allow him to guide us in life and to give us wonderful counsel. So to understand what it means for him to be our prince of peace, though, we have to do exactly what I said. We have to go back and study does the words mean that were used when, when God told Isaiah that a prince of peace is coming. So you go back and you look at the Hebrew, because this is in the Old Testament. If you're studying the New Testament, you would go and study the Greek, but the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so in Hebrew, we look at what, what is the Hebrew words for Prince of Peace? What's well, Sar Shalom? He is our Sar Shalom. And how does that help us understand what it means for him to be our Prince of Peace? Well, for one, I don't know about you, but when I think of Prince, I think of... Well, Prince Charles, right? I mean, he was waiting to be king. I don't know how many of you are watching The Crown, but last night I watched one of the episodes and he's been waiting 30 plus years to make some changes. And finally, he's getting a chance. But he was waiting in line. He wasn't the one in charge. But that's not what it means to be the Tsar, the Tsar is actually means the one in charge, the commander. There is no one greater than. That's what Tsar means. If you go to the Hebrew word for Tsar, which we translate into prince. So that's what Tsar means, the one in control, the sovereign king of kings. Now, Shalom is the word for peace. Now, of course, in our limited English language, we look at peace and we look it up in the dictionary and it tells us that it is an end to conflict or disturbance. That is peace. Every beauty pageant, we're looking for world peace, right? (laughs) That's what we want. We want an end to this disturbance in the world. Well, here's the truth. Until Jesus comes and reigns on this earth again, we're never going to get world peace because we have an enemy, but we can have peace in this world. And the peace that we're going to have is not just in, into disturbance and conflict. The peace that we're going to have is shalom. And this is what shalom is. Shalom is a, a harmony. It's a full harmony where everything works together. A completeness. We, we sang about it this morning that we are made complete and whole because of Jesus. A completeness of our mind, our will, our emotions. It is a... Prosperity and a welfare and tranquility in our relationship with God and in our relationship with others—that is what shalom is, and that is what Jesus comes to give us as our sar shalom, the King of Kings, the One in charge is bringing us wholeness and peace and tranquility, a joyful tranquility when we have this internal wholeness and this external harmony with others. That's what we want, right? That is what we want. That's what we're craving. That's what we long for. And that's what the Israelites wanted when Isaiah prophesied and said, there's going to be one coming. Hang in there. They were in oppression, just like Cody talked about last week. When this passage was written, when God downloaded this message, they were in oppression. They were in captivity by the Babylonians. And so they were about to be released from that. And It brought hope to them in this moment to hear, there's a king coming. There's a king coming that's going to be all of these things, and he's going to rule our nation. And finally, we're going to have peace in our nation. And they waited, and they waited. And I'm sure as every year passed, there was this battle between the hope that came with that message and the despair that it wasn't happening yet. And they went for 500 years without hearing from the Lord at all. And in that moment, they battled, I'm sure, as every generation waited and waited. And what they would do is they would renew their hope by going back and reviewing their histories. They would review the histories. They would read the the Torah and the writings of the prophet, and and they would see, and as they retold the stories of God's faithfulness, they would see he has promises, and he is faithful to his promises. So they knew it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But when? So... It finally happens. (laughs) Jesus arrives on the scene. We're gonna read a passage in Luke chapter two, but let me set up this story for you. Because I think it's so important as we look at the rival of Jesus and the way that God made it all work out, we have to know He is working out the same way in our lives. And so in this Luke chapter two, the first part of Luke chapter two, it tells the story that God used the Emperor Augustus to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem because they weren't in Bethlehem but they that was where it was prophesied that the Messiah was going to come from and so what happens God moves the heart of an emperor to want to get some more money he wants to tax his people and well that sounds like politics doesn't it <laughs> right but will God do that yes will he use what's going on in the world where we say the devil's getting ground no God is in charge he's working something out here. You can trust it. And so that's what he did here. He moves the heart of the emperor to, to tax everyone. And he said, well, I need to know how much money's coming in. So I need to know how many people are coming from every area. So everyone go back to the town of your family. And so there was a census that was going to happen and everyone had to go back to their family's hometown. Well, Joseph's, Joseph's family's hometown was Bethlehem. He came from the line of David which was prophesied. That's where Jesus was coming from. And so he had to go to Bethlehem to be counted. And so they make it to Bethlehem. Now Jesus is born. This is the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Sarshalom. Word has to get out that he has been born, but he's been born to nobodies, Mary and Joseph in a nobody town. But people have been waiting for him for years. How are they going to find out? Well, it's going to take an angel And it's gonna take a choir of angels to get the word to spread. So let's read this passage together. We're in Luke 2, verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in a field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. But they were terrified. I think I would be too. (laughs) But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that's gonna bring great joy to all people. The Savior... Yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he's been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God has pleased When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. (laughs) Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about because they knew this has to be true. We were told he was going to come from Bethlehem and he was going to come from the line of David. Let's go see him. So this day had finally arrived and they, they show up and here's this child born who's the prince of peace. So we're going to look at just one passage from this one verse. I'm going to go to just one verse. We heard the whole context of it, but we're going to go to verse 14 to find the keys of how to get our peace. Here it is. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So you want to know how to find your peace? Well, we can stop looking for it in the things that the world offers, because that's what we do, right? I mean, I need peace. I need peace. Can you prescribe me a pill that will bring me peace, right? Or if my spouse would just change, I would have peace, right? Or if my kids would listen to me, I would have peace. We're looking for all the things, or if I could just have enough money, if I just made enough money, I would have peace. And that's what we look to. The world has a lot to offer us. But this is what Jesus has to say about that. He says in John fourteen twenty seven. this is right before he goes to heaven. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. You see, that's the peace we long for. That is a peace. That is the shalom we are made for. This wholeness, this completeness, this tranquility is only going to come through Christ himself. We can stop looking to other things. We can stop falling for the lies of the enemy that offers counterfeits because the only real place is through Jesus. So how do we get this peace? Well, let's look at verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Okay, so our peace is gonna come to those with whom God is pleased. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, because the things I did last week did not please God so much. (laughs) So I guess I'm disqualified. No, how do we get the pleasure of God? Because that is a lie we fall for. I have been disqualified. I did not follow the rules, and there's a lot of rules, and I'm messing it up all the time. I'm obviously not pleasing God, so I'm never gonna have his peace. Well Hebrews 11:6 tells us the truth. This is how we please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. Seek the Lord, right? And he will take away the fear. We just have to have faith. That's how we please God. It is impossible to please God without faith. We don't have to earn the pleasure of God. We just have to have faith that God is real and that God had this, this desire to restore this relationship. So he sent Jesus to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins. We celebrated that in communion this morning. That's the faith we have to have. And that is the faith that pleases God. Romans 5, one says, Therefore... Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So you want the peace of God in your life? It starts with making peace with God and receiving the gift of grace that he has for us. But some of you would go, okay, Gina, yes, I've done that. I mean, I gave my life to Christ. If you're like me, I gave my life to Christ like 50 times growing up, every time there was an altar call, just in case, (laughs) right? But I'm still not having peace in my life. Well, let's talk about that. Why is that? We can have eternal peace because of our faith in God, but how do we have internal peace? This internal peace, this shalom of our hearts, of our mind, and our emotions, well, that's going to become, come when we make him the Tsar of our life, the king of kings, when we allow his governance to reign. Because if you remember in that verse in Isaiah that we read at Isaiah 9-7, it says his government and its peace will never end. So we have to allow him to be the ruler of every area of our life. So yes, sin, rebellion, hurts from our past. These are things that would stop us from experiencing peace because what we do in our sin and our rebellion or when we believe lies because of things from our past, we aren't letting Jesus be the king of kings in that area. We are not letting him be the ruler of that area of our life. And it takes him being the governor and the ruler of our life for us to experience his peace. So how do we do that? Well, we have to... Start with the Ten Commandments, right? We look at the law and we say, "How do you want me to live, Lord?" And some of you would say, "Nope, nope, that's legalism. We're in the place of grace. We don't follow the law anymore. Well, let's see if that's true. Matthew 5:17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. So yeah, the law still exists, but what was the law all about in the first place, right? What was it about? It was about us, the Israelites and the followers of God at that time, and us as followers of Jesus to be holy and set apart. And so... God gave the law to the Israelites and said, here, these are ten, 10, things I want you to do. And here's a whole book of policies and procedures of how I want you to live because I want you to be holy and set apart, but you're going to fail at it. So when you fail, when you sin, when you break the law, then there needs to be a sacrifice. Cody talked about that. There has to be blood shed to pay the price for sin. And there was a whole way to cleanse themselves. And all of that did was to prove we can't do it on our own. That's why we need Jesus. And Jesus was the final sacrifice for the sin, but it didn't change the way that he wants us to live. It said that now the law is written on our hearts. So it becomes an internal transformation that allows us to live the way that God wants us to live. And when we live the way that God wants us to live in every area of our life, we have peace. But some of you are saying, I don't want that. And I've tried that, and I have repented of this. I want to walk in God's will in this area of my life, but I am trapped. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross. It is by his stripes that we are healed and we are set free. And so all you have to do is say, Jesus, this is an area of my life that I am trapped in. Come set me free. Bring truth. Give me the grace to forgive those where the hurts came from, whatever. And he will set you free and he will bring peace. And you truly will be set free from these things because that is the governance of God in our lives. That is the rule and reign of God in our life. So we have to just get honest. And if we can just be honest, Lord, I'm not following you in every area. Lord, I judge my husband and I am upset every day because I'm judging him and I, or I'm jealous of my friend because they have this. These are areas of sin that we don't have peace in. These are simple areas that we can all relate to. So Lord, show me where I'm not making you the ruler and I'm not walking in your will in this area of my life and bring the truth so I can have peace. But the other thing that can disrupt our internal peace is also our lack of faith. So not our faith for salvation, but it's our lack of faith. Like Cody talked about last week, we get this hope because God has promises. And if we stand on promises, then we have hope that he's going to show up. But what happens if we lack faith in that area? when we struggle with disbelief. I mean, the two, all sin can really come down to disbelief and pride. (laughs) If you think about it, it all comes down to that. So what if we have disbelief in an area, then we're not gonna have peace. And what happens when we sit in a place of disbelief and we start looking at our circumstances instead of seeking God? We drive right into crazy town. Some of you guys have heard me talk about crazy town before. Um, but it's a place that we've all been to. Um, and this really, my, my husband's the one who introduced me to the term crazy town. Because sometimes I go to him and we start talking. And I mean, both of us have done this. I'm not just saying it's him. But he'll be super irrational about what he's saying. And it doesn't make sense. And I'm feeling like, what are you talking about? This is, this is not aligned with God's word. And he's like, I know I'm in crazy town right now. I'm <laughs> like, Oh. I get it. Now, if it's about me, then I might go, hey, we're not going to work this out right now. Go talk to your Christ-centered friend, Ryan, and let him drive you out of crazy town and speak some truth to you, and then we'll reconcile. But sometimes it is just us going, okay, what does God's word say about this? What is God's word? What's truth? And it's when we stop looking at our circumstances and we look at the truth of God's word that we can get ourselves out of crazy town. And so, because the path or the word says... Um, let me tell you what it says. It says to take our thoughts captive and submit them to what we know about Christ, right? Take our thoughts captive and submit them to what we know about Christ. So I think a place of that we all are in, maybe not all of us, but many of us are in a place of going, it is Christmas. I mean, this has been my my anxiety lately. I have 3 kids, and somewhere along the line, they have go- I've promised them that I will spend $300 on each of them. So we're talking about almost $1,000 for Christmas. I don't have a $1,000 wiggle room in my budget. And so every year I stress about this and I start freaking out about it and I start looking at my circumstances and I start looking at my budget and I'm like, (gasps) but I take that thought captive and I pick up my phone and ask Google, where's the scripture about God providing my needs? (laughs) I, I always say Google because I don't remember the addresses, but I know there's one in there. And Google and Siri know the Bible better than anyone. <laughs> so you could always ask them. <laughs> so I Google that and it says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Not my bank account. My God. Okay. I'm not going to stress. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So I start driving out of crazy town and I go, Lord, you have a cattle on a thousand hills. Will you just sell one for Christmas for me? (laughs) (laughs) And I trust that he will. My other life verse that I have is um, Philippians four, six, and seven, because I do struggle with anxiety. It's funny. I have this gift of faith, but I struggle with anxiety at the same time. So this is what I have to stand on. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love this verse because it is the solution to anxiety. It is the solution. When we have a whole list of things that we have made that can cause us fear and anxiety and stress, if we can turn that list, I mean, we have the list. We've been making it. And we have a choice right then. I can call my girlfriend and say, hey, I'm stressing out about this, 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 and this. Or I can go, Lord, I thank you. I praise you that you're going to answer this, 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 and this. You're going to take care of this, 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 and this because you're a God of promises that is in control of all things. And you have promised me that there is no need I have that you will not meet. And I can trust in you in that. And what happens when I turn the list around and I start praising him, then peace comes. A peace that doesn't make sense. It does not make sense on paper. It doesn't make sense in this world because God's ways are greater than our ways. And his peace comes that surpasses all understanding. Which I love that verse, and it really is a mirror image to our verse for today. Luke 2.14 says, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth with whom God, those that God has pleased. So it's really reflected all throughout the Bible. Praise me, bring me glory, and you will have peace. You see it in the Psalms. I mean, the Psalms, if you know what lamenting is, lamenting might be, Lord, I don't know how we're going to get through this, this, and this, and this, but then the Psalmist turns around, but you are good. You are good, and I praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And you see the peace and the joy that comes through that. So I have a story to share with you about uh, an application of this, and some of you have heard this story before. But my dad um, went through cancer. Actually, he's still kind of battling it, honestly, but prostate cancer that he had to go through um, radiation treatments to, to deal with. And he was telling me that during that time of radiation, Man, he was in pain. And every night when he would go to bed, the radiation would cause his muscles to cramp so bad that it would cause him to have anxiety. And then that anxiety would cause him, because he didn't want to wake my mom up and he wanted to scream out in pain. But that anxiety would make him feel like he was having a heart attack. And that caused even more anxiety. And he was like, Lord, I cannot handle this. I cannot keep going through this every night. And so he was like, Lord, give me a solution. So the Lord reminded him of a story of Paul and Silas when they were in prison. And so he went and he's like, okay, I, you're leading me. You're my wonderful counselor who's leading me to the story. So he went to read the story. And in that story, he, um, uh, he reads, and I'm sorry, I got distracted there. In that story, he reads about Paul and Silas who they had been beaten, they were whipped, stripped naked, beaten to the bone and then thrown into prison. And in prison, they were, they were now in, I mean, totally bloodied, bruised, sore. Now they're sitting on this concrete floor and it says that their feet were in stockades. They couldn't move. Can you imagine if you have pain and you can't get comfortable? And the Bible says, then they sat there and they moaned and they complained. No, actually the Bible says, (laughs) that's what we would do, right? That is not what it says. It says in that moment, they started singing and praising Jesus. And that was what the Lord was telling my dad to do. He said, look at what they did in the midst of their praying. They were heard singing and praising Jesus. And so my dad went to bed that night. And so in that moment, when he started to feel that pain, in his mind, he started singing and praising Jesus for a couple of reasons. Didn't want to wake my mom up. And my dad's joyful noise is only joyful to Jesus. But <laughs> I just I just played. Well, I mean I got my singing from him, so I can say that. But uh, but truly in that place he just started praising and what he said happened is that as he started praising Jesus, he had these amazing worship services in the middle of the night. And then that place he had peace and his body would relax and it would calm down. And as his body calmed down, the pain lessened and he wasn't in the excruciating pain that he had been experiencing. And now he would say to this day that though his battle with cancer has been the scariest, most battling time of depression, anxiety, everything else, but it's been the time that he's experienced the Lord more than ever in his entire life. And he learned a life lesson in that, in that time. That he's passed on to everyone. The life lesson being about the fruit of the Spirit that we experience in our life. And what he told me is like, Gina, I, I realized through this time that the fruit of the Spirit is kind of a, it grows like love, joy, peace, patience. You have to have the first before you can have the next, before you can have the next. In other words, we start with love, right? We start with getting the love of Christ and giving the love of Christ, we start in that place. And when we experience God's love that is so passionate and we experience what Jesus did for us, and then in that place, we get excited and we get joy. And when we get the joy of the Lord, which can stay with us through all of our circumstances, then with that joy, we can have peace in our circumstances, regardless of what is happening. As we're praising the Lord and giving him thanksgiving, we have peace. And it's that peace that we need in order to then have long suffering, to be able to stay in a place of trusting and to be able to have the patience that we need. And in that place of patience, experiencing everything God has for us that leads to love, joy, peace, patience, then we have good relationships with others because now we are gentle, we are kind, gentleness, kindness, we are good, goodness. We have self-control. And so, As you see here, this peace, it's it's an eternal peace for our salvation. It's an internal peace when we trust the Lord and we allow him to be the king of our lives. And then the purpose of that is to have an external peace in our relationship with others. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well of all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you i think it's so important for us to talk about this because some of us have already experienced thanksgiving as a family and all the extras came in, right? And we're about to go into Christmas and we're going to have all of our family there. And some of you have wounds from family members that have hurt you. Or maybe this is relationships that are outside of our family members' relationships, but we have wounds. And, and so out of that place, we are not kind and we have bitterness. And in our relationships with others, we are not experiencing peace. So we have to go back to that eternal peace where we received God's grace and forgiveness, even though we didn't deserve it. And now we have to take that and we have to extend it out. So for those that have caused you to have bitterness and anger, you have to choose to forgive. And you have to go back to that moment that they hurt you and you have to relinquish it. You can't change it. And if you keep holding on to it, it's just going to keep you bitter and there's not going to be peace there. So we relinquish it. And we walk out forgiveness, and we love them. They're not going to change, but our hearts can change towards them, and we can have peace in that place. So, He is our Prince of Peace, our Sar Shalom. And I am just wondering, are you experiencing Shalom in your life? We're going to go into our last song of worship, and, and during this time, I I'm about to lead us into prayer for this, but. I want you to search your heart. Where is it do you need to start? Do you need to start by making peace with God? We're gonna pray for that. If you haven't made that decision, we're gonna have an opportunity to, to maybe recommit your life or maybe make that commitment for the first time to receive what he did for you on the cross. Or do you need to search areas of your life? Are there areas of sin or bondage in your life that you need to be set free from? So we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal. And we're going to pray that the Lord will give you the grace to say, Lord, come into this area of my life. Because here's the thing, we all have free will. God is waiting to change you. But he's not going to do it until you say, Lord, I want you to change me. Because that's our free will. So maybe that's what you need to do during this time of prayer and worship is say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to come and change me in this area so I can have peace. I want to make you the king of this area of my life. Or maybe it's I need to be in a place of trust with God. Maybe I'm not having peace because I'm not trusting you and I'm not standing on your promises. So I want to spend this time trusting in everything that you say you're going to do. I know you're going to do it. And I'm going to spend this time thanking you and praising you for the way you're going to show up and show out in my life. Or maybe it is in your relationships with others. Maybe you're in a place of bitterness right now and you say, no, but I, I will never forgive that. And in that place as we pray, I just encourage you to break that vow in the name of Jesus so that you can choose to forgive so that you can have peace. up if you will and let's go to the word or to the Lord in prayer and then just press in and let the Holy Spirit minister to you as you worship him thanks for listening this week if you are looking for ways to serve give or get connected go to vkcwest.com